Hello and welcome to Culture Sex Relationships with me, Justin Hancock. I'm back with another solo episode. I'm really sorry that these episodes have been quite infrequent lately. Uh, I've kind of started doing a PhD. I've not really announced that yet, so that's why I was being hesitant about it. I've started doing a PhD, which I'm trying to treat like a job. So I'm having to do that on top of everything else I do. So sadly, I don't have as much time to do as much podcasting as I'd like. Uh, but I'm still trying to. I'm still going to try and continue keeping it going. I think it's good for my studies. It's uh, good for my research. I mean, and also I enjoy doing it. Um, but one thing that would really, really help me, dear listener, is if you help me make content. And by that, I mean either send me questions to answer so there's a link in the bio here where you can send me an anonymous question uh, a question anonymously that i can answer on the show or you can email me culturesexrelationships at gmail.com then i can answer your questions now you're very hesitant about this for some reason you know lots of other much more basic advice shows and advice columns get lots and lots of questions for some reason even though i do the best one you don't send them to me i don't know why that is uh it is actually quite baffling i actually don't know the answer to that um so i'm assuming that you are the kind of the advanced listener who doesn't really need advice or is critical about what advice does you're right to be critical about that that's very wise um so as an alternative if you don't want to send me your own questions i'm proposing that we do another thing which is a a thing that my friend kirsty and uh, nora gave me an idea uh, to do uh, lately was to say we'll have a we'll have a show we'll have a thread of a show which is called second opinion okay so maybe you're out in the world and you see some advice which is not great or an interesting question that hasn't really been dealt with very well and you want it to get the culture sex relationships treatment you want me specifically to talk about theory and to talk about materialism and all this kind of stuff and to talk about spinoza etc etc um and to you know talk for ages in my long droning east midlands voice about uh about various theoretical topics and how we might make use of them uh you can send me those and then i will do my own version of them so second opinion so and you can again you can send those to me via culturesexrelationships at gmail.com or via the link in the bio there's like a google survey doc where you can send in your questions so either send me a question about you or a second opinion question but please get involved because it's just me here and it's really hard work doing something by myself and basically if i don't get prompted to do something i won't do something which is why the show is so infrequent at the moment so i'm not blaming this entirely on you but if you could get more involved i'd find that really useful um so thank you in advance if you can right so this episode I've written a couple of articles lately for Bish, my website for young people, about orgasms. And so I think they reveal something quite interesting that I would like to go into in a more in a more advanced the in the culture sex relationships kind of realm. So I'm gonna read both of these articles out, but also I'm going to extemporize, I'm gonna talk about them a little bit more. Um and kind of complicate things and also to draw some reflections on on what these kinds of things mean and so it's two articles and the first article is how do i know when i've had an orgasm uh, 
So I was asked, how do I know when I've had an orgasm recently by a young woman in an RSE lesson? And she was saying that it's obvious when men orgasm because they ejaculate, but how can she tell when she's having an orgasm? Which I said to her, it's a very, very good question. I said that opens up actually a lot of really interesting questions around gender and social scripts and um, heteronormativities and also our questions about how we learn about our bodies how our bodies are material discursive so our bodies are consist of matter so actual things that actually exist so you know blood vessels clitorises fingernails toes uh, penises vagus nerve etc etc but also our bodies exist in culture they exist in discourse so we get a lot of stories told to us about what our bodies do what our bodies are supposed to do and we become those bodies and this has lots and lots of implications for how we experience our own body uh, how we understand what our body does what sexual knowledge actually is which is really interesting but also how that is then mediated through science around sex and sexology and how a lot of that is actually really quite basic and um, not social enough so not enough about the social and so and often that ends up replicating and retelling some very narrow ideas about bodies gender sex orgasm etc so um, that's why I wrote the article so uh, here I'll explain what happens when you orgasm what to look out for and I'll also explain how you'll know when you've had one and there's a surprising end as I say in the article so what happens when you have an orgasm as I say in another article uh, about orgasm and ejaculation orgasm and ejaculation are not the same Uh, several studies several very kind of biological studies have pointed out that they are two very very different phenomena that happen in the body And that is true no matter what gender you are or what kind of body you have, okay? Orgasm is associated with increased heart rate, an altered state of consciousness from the activation of the right angular gyrus and operculum, operculum, I've never said that out loud before. Uh, which kind of gives you gives us this idea of like a, so there's a part of our brain the right angular gyrus and operculum uh, which gives us a sense of an altered state of consciousness or an out-of-body state okay uh, there's increased brain activity in the pleasure hotspots of the brain or the hedonic uh, parts of the brain as the literature calls it faster breathing higher blood pressure pleasurable muscle contractions in the pelvis and also in the anus and these are the signs that scientific studies have found when they examine someone who is experiencing an orgasm side note these are usually women who are experiencing an orgasm in these studies which i'll come back to that later so this is where women say okay i know when i experience having an orgasm so i'm going to have um it's not actually an mri it's an it's a different kind of um these studies are actually using a different technology because with MRI studies, as soon as you move, that's it. You kind of ruin the whole thing. And staying still when you're having an orgasm is difficult. Um, there's another way of studying. There's another kind of technology, which I actually have forgotten the name of, uh, but they are linked to in the studies that I linked to in the article, which you can find in the links to this, to into the show notes, and the links in the show notes to this 
what I'm saying now a podcast isn't it that's what I'm doing now um yeah so anyway so this this these are women who are experiencing having an orgasm and they're like okay well you can study me and watch me and so it's interesting so they're taking lots of people's lots of women's subjective ideas of them having an orgasm and they're studying them and they're finding these objective things that they can pull out of these pull out of these stories these this data okay and that's everything that i just talked about increased heart rate uh, activation of the right side of the angular gyrus and operculum increased brain activity in the hedonic parts of the brain fast breathing higher blood pressure pleasurable muscle contractions in the pelvis and in the anus okay so but how can you work out if you're having an orgasm we know that these things happen when people are being studied when they're having what they experience as an orgasm these are the objective things that happen for other people that doesn't mean that you will experience this for yourself in the same way every person is unique and every orgasm is unique but the more you experience your own subjective pleasure the more you will start to learn what an orgasm might feel like for you and there's an interesting academic article about this called pleasure systems in the brain which again is in the article it's really good so this means actually noticing it oh my heart rate is oh my heart rate is increasing oh i'm out of breath i'm noticing a change in my consciousness there's a pleasurable muscle contraction just noticing the smallest smallest sign and welcoming it welcoming it <laughs> bit by bit you might start to feel it and it becomes circular after a while and you might start notice, noticing these different signs interacting with each other as well as other things happening in your body so skin tingling the things you say out loud change in skin color how your breathing changes that kind of thing now interestingly again i'm going off the article here but uh, so this is also to do with a, a materialist theory of consciousness like what it is to be conscious of things and this is from antonio damasio's work um, who's a neurobiologist who has got this really interesting uh, Spinozan theory of um, of consciousness and it's basically that we all have feelings so a fe- so a feeling is what happens when we're being affected so when we're, when our body's being affected by something when our body's experiencing something it's noticing that feeling in the body and then understanding that that feeling is happening okay so that's what consciousness is Okay, so it's it's just noticing a thing that's happening in our body and recognizing that that is the thing that is happening, and that level of consciousness, he says, is kind of what separates us from uh, other mammals. Okay, that we have a that our our sense of consciousness is what makes us human. Other people might have a different view about that, um, but anyway, that is what consciousness is in that sense. So here we can see that there is an orgasmic consciousness happening. So it's noticing these affects, noticing heart rate, breathing, changing in consciousness, muscle contractions, things like that. It's noticing them and then thinking, hmm, okay, these are experiences that are feeling this. And then it's under- when we feel them a little bit more and when we are back in tune with our body and then understanding what these affects are some more we can then start to understand oh this is an orgasm and the more we do that the more time we spend doing this the more time we are able to spend welcoming these um 
affects into our body and recognizing them then we might start to understand them we're not or we might start to cognitively understand that this is an orgasm and that this is how we have them and that's how we develop our sexual knowledges okay so it's from feeling from recognizing the feeling from re-experiencing it from having a memory of them to understanding how we have them to reasoning how it is that we might want to have one if we wanted to have one and then doing them so this is following that um the chart that i've been introducing you to if you uh if you sign up to the patreon i'm working on a zine very very slowly um and you'll remember there dear listeners if you're a patron that there is a graph on there about affect emotion thoughts and then do like the things that we do so it's following that kind of um following that kind of schema all right so the next section is how do i know i've definitely had an orgasm after a while you'll start to notice what emerges for you each time you have these feelings this builds up as a series of memories which you draw from to help you understand what it is you are feeling if someone else is with you they might notice it and too and tell you wow you came really hard there oh yeah yeah you're breathing the noises you really seem to lose it at one point oh wow great so you and anyone else you're having sex with will start to recognize them and understand them of course because we're all changing all the time our orgasms will change over time too so our own sexual knowledge our sexual intelligence grows over time through our experiences and this thing of bringing in other people or bringing in the external world is a really important part of this because we don't experience consciousness or we don't experience orgasms without the external world the external world comes first nothing exists outside of culture nothing exists outside of the relation or nothing exists outside of nature that is what comes first okay and then we experience a feeling and then we understand from the outside world that this feeling might mean something as i've talked about here and then we understand what that might mean for us then other people or either people that we're having sex with or sex educators or people online or friends might tell us about their stories about what an orgasm is and then we'll further understand that this might also be what what we might be feeling and in this sense this is this is the idea this is michel foucault's idea of technologies of the self where we learn from all of these different sources about what it is to be ourselves about what our sexual selves or any part of ourselves might be so we are drawing and redrawing our subjectivity and as Foucault said and remember I got this from Joe Townsend my my interview with Joe Townsend about her thesis her sexual self scroll back through the archives dear listeners to find that really interesting conversation so Foucault was saying uh, later on in his life um post acid trip apparently uh which i just find very interesting at the moment um that you know to to use a technology of the self to draw and redraw our sexual subjectivities is to imagine that we are standing that we are a sculptor standing next to a sculpture of ourselves and that we are sculpt constantly sculpting and re-sculpting that sculpture that's what subjectivity is and all of this is part of that this sense of this understanding of how we become how we become conscious of something and how that relates to the outside world how we need the outside world for the consciousness to happen consciousness doesn't come out of our soul or an imminent sense of ourselves it is a material thing which happens in relation to the external world 
Okay, so this is where I'm talking about Spinozan things and um, materialist things. All right, so how do men know they've had an orgasm? Men might think that they, slash we, I am a man, uh, know when they've had an orgasm, but often they are wrong. Everything I've said so far applies to people of all genders and all different kinds of bodies. That's right, men, this all applies to you too. If you thought that orgasm was jizzing, you are wrong. Don't worry though, this is really great news because it means you can have multiple orgasms if you wanted. If you follow the above advice, you might start to notice a difference between what you experience when you ejaculate and something else. Try it. If you want to ejaculate, by all means, go for it. But there's the option here of experiencing different kinds of pleasure that feel different to simply, simply being ejaculated from your prostate through your penis. Also, although some men can ejaculate more than once in a row, most men experience a drop-off of excitement called the refractory period. It's obviously men with penises. That just means that there's a period when it's hard to get excited again. So, there's a so this is a way of experiencing more pleasure before ejaculation, and it might even help you to control ejaculation too. So I'll carry on before I make some more points about this. Gender and sex education. So the common sense story, or the should story, of orgasms are, are really powerful and have massively affected how we relate to our bodies. We are told that for men, orgasm, orgasm and ejaculation are the same. This is why we say coming to mean both these things. We're also told that orgasms are, for, orgasms are harder for women to have and that they are mysterious. Uh, neither of those are true. Uh, again, just to refer back to Kinsey on this, so in the Kinsey reports, he found that if you put a woman in a room and asked her to masturbate and put a man in a room and asked him to masturbate, they both come within like three to four minutes. But there is only an orgasm gap, so-called, because the thing that we refer to as sex is more stimulating for the penis than it is for the vagina, i.e. penis and vagina sexual intercourse. And under those conditions, it's much harder for women to experience orgasm from the thing we call sex, the thing that we are told, the only thing we are told counts as sex, which then tells this story of, oh, women's orgasms are mysterious and we completely understand men's, okay? But that's only because we have this reductive way of looking at only one thing counting as sex. Uh, all right, so where was I? Yes, lately we've also been told that for, to prove women are having an orgasm, they must squirt. Okay, so we've got this other weird kind of thing where in order to prove that women's so-called mysterious orgasms are actually happening, we're asking women's bodies to behave in the same way that we're told men's bodies should behave, okay? So <laughs> it's so it's a lie that orgasm and ejaculation are the same for men, but rather than unpack the lie, because there are huge consequences apparently for disturbing anything which might uphold the patriarchy, we are now expecting women to squirt to ejaculate in order to prove that they are having an orgasm, okay? Which is just all kinds of awful okay the way that we are treating our bodies like machines and trying to make them perform something but also doing this thing of separating off the mind from the body and so rather than being really embodied and really within our body and really understanding what our what consciousness is and really 
feeling a feeling so actually it means that we're far less likely to actually enjoy sex and so often in the pursuit of proving that someone's had an orgasm people might try to ejaculate but not actually enjoy it whatsoever because ejaculation and orgasm are completely different things so instead of telling women or anyone with a vulva that they should try to experience orgasm like a man by squirting we could do the opposite men with penises could try experiencing orgasm without ejaculation and so this is what I call the No Nut November loophole. Now, it's No Nut November has just ended. If you were doing No Nut November and you managed to get all the way through November without nutting, many congratulations. I hope you feel more of a man, no, regardless of what your of, of what your gender, regardless of what your gender is or was before you began No Nut November. I hope you're now feeling much more manly, more rational, more in control. You know that massive spike spike of testosterone from not nutting for uh for 30 days i hope that's making you feel really good for you um so um (laughs) so back to the article i spoke about the no nut november loophole um in my article about no nut november which is uh by the way dear listener extremely popular come no nut november you'll be glad to hear so i am taking young people young men in particular away from the manosphere they're coming to my website now uh, it's really good anyway if you can't nut or ejaculate you might be able to have an orgasm that is the loophole you could experience an orgasm without necessarily ejaculating and you can also ex- experience this without masturbating if you wanted to so people do uh i can experience uh, an orgasm without masturbating wasn't sure whether to talk about me or not but you know i can uh, so everyone else can too in my opinion uh something i learned how to do uh so instead of trying no nut november or any of the other masturbation control challenges or resources you could try this way instead try masturbating or just being in your body and trying to experience an orgasm trying to notice all these things um try to notice your orgasmic consciousness i suppose and if you could learn not to be so focused about ejaculation but could experience a lot of pleasure from orgasms what might that do if you were so connected with your body that you could experience orgasms from any kind of touch or sexual situation what would that do and lastly for this article let's say enjoyment when we have sex with other people the enjoyment isn't just what is happening in our own bodies but what's happening with the other person with truly enjoyable sex there is a merging of ourselves like the idea the whole idea of the objects and subjects as simone de beauvoir wrote about kind of disappears they kind of melt into each other Uh, a good materialist as i am would say uh, actually that there is no subject or object position anyway but all we're experiencing is in, in this um assemblage of sex the sexual assemblages lots of effective flows of different things happening between these two uh nodes that we know of as person a person b but actually they are deeply interconnected and related to both each other but also everything else that's happening in their assemblage anyway that's a bit of Deleuze and Guattari there talking that's um but also uh, Pam Aldred and Nick J Fox's paper on the sexuality assemblage and again if you scroll back dear listener through the archives you'll be able to hear an episode with me and Girl on the Net a famous sex writer talk about erotic assemblages uh, and erotic writing 
So learning to enjoy sex more is the key. It's not so much about necessarily having an orgasm. You know, if we know when we're having an orgasm, great. But the most important thing is to try to enjoy it. All right, so that's that article. Now, the next article, you'll probably see that that is a... There is a connection here. Let me just find the next article. Here we go. Now then. I heard about this term on a podcast the other day and it's and I thought well if I've heard about this on a podcast me a 47 year old man who you know exclusively listens to theory or left-wing politics podcasts well sometimes listen to well there's a snooker podcast I really like as well side note this snooker podcast is really good it's this commentator called Dave Hendon who's also also happens to be a playwright and uh It's called the Snooker Scene Podcast, and it's just him, like this, answering people's emails and talking and using very nice, self-deprecating humour and talking very intelligently about snooker. And, you know, I aspire to be him as a podcaster. (laughs) Um, In fact, I would just love to talk about snooker on a podcast. That would be great. Anyway, okay, back to sex ed. All right, okay. So I heard about this term on a podcast, and I thought, well, yes, if I've heard this term, it must be a thing. In the sense that it is a bit of a thing. And that term is gooning. G-O-O-N-I-N-G. Gooning. Okay, so I'm going to read this out. And you'll see that this has a very, very interesting uh, relation to the last article that I read out. So here's an explainer of what gooning is, why people do it, what some of the problems might be, and some sensible advice about it. To goon is to... Gooning is basically having a really long and intensely pleasurable wank. This practice is not new, but we have another word for it now. See also tantric solo sex, edging, or prinding. People of all genders seem to do it, though it seems to be more of a discovery for guys with penises. This is probably because of the whole orgasm equals ejaculation thing, and that after ejaculation it is often difficult for men to get aroused again. Again, men with penises. Yeah, I've already said that. So for many, gooning involves masturbating for long periods of time without ejaculating or orgasming. Gooming seems to result in people entering a trance state or a hypnotic state or a high state. Gooners seem to like to do it in a cave. So this might involve a darkened room with a screen or more than one screen, quite often looking at people gooning on online, on, on Reddit forums. Often they have several screens with lots of different pornographic images on all of them. And maybe some favourite masturbatory aids at hand. And they might even chat to other gooners in online communities, in like Discord communities, while they do it. Uh, so this probably means that it's probably people who have their own space and privacy. So it might be quite hard to do if you live with parents, carers or siblings. Uh, by the way, being a gooner doesn't mean you're an Arsenal fan, by the way. Um, an Arsenal fan who likes gooning would be a double gooner. Uh, a gooner is, uh, if you're not familiar with this, a gooner is a nickname for Arsenal fans because they are known as the Gunners and they call themselves gooners. Anyway... Why do people goon? Because it could be fun. When we're having sexy times, there's a lot of activity going on in the brain. It's the result of the parasympathetic and the sympathetic nervous systems working together in tandem. 
This results in a lot of the pleasure spots of the brain being activated. This includes part of the brain that makes people feel high or that they're having an out-of-body experience. There's more about this. Literally, I just read this out in the article that I was just talking about. So it's a bit like asking, why do people like dancing or yoga or running or playing football for hours? People get a high feeling from lots of intense physical activity because it does a lot of things in the brain. But also combined with stimulating erotic fantasies and images and with the comfort of doing in a cave and even with other people, that sounds like it could be pretty enjoyable. What else might Gooning do? That is a classic Deleuze and Guattari question, uh, dear listener. Uh, if ever you see uh, what brackets else, close brackets, might something do, uh, you know that person is about to hit you some Deleuze and Guattari. Uh, so spending this long masturbating means that Gooners might get really good at masturbating. So this means getting to understand their bodies, how their bodies work, but also how else they work they might perhaps start to find having orgasms a bit easier or notice the difference between orgasm and ejaculation. Perhaps they might find different ways to feel pleasure or different kinds of pleasure. Listening to ourselves in this way, breathing, noises, sensations, thoughts, feelings, might start to reveal whole other ways of connecting with our sexual selves. People in gooning communities also seem to find that new parts of their sexuality emerges. For example, finding different bodies or genders or scenarios sexier or more exciting, or just that it's more them. It's not that Gooning found something inside them that was always there. More spending all that time with porn, their bodies and fantasies and desires, and sometimes their friends or people they, they chat to online, gives more time and space for new things to emerge. It doesn't have to mean anything, but it can just be fun or exciting to see what continues to emerge. And it might start to change their relationship to partner sex too. Their sexual responses might change a bit, or different things might turn them on. What might be some of the problems with gooning, and how might gooners avoid them? So, sex, masturbation and porn isn't addictive, but it can sometimes be compulsive. This becomes a problem if you're getting less and less from doing it each time you do it. If someone finds themselves going back to gooning a lot but getting a bit less out of it, then it might be time to give it a break. We get a hit of the hormone dopamine when we really crave or want something. Uh, so dopamine is the craving or wanting hormone. It's not the pleasure hormone. It's actually not really connected to pleasure, apparently, according to the article Pleasure Systems in the Brain. And it doesn't really have a role in orgasm, I don't think, apart from it being released when we're wanting to have it. So it's the wanting hormone. So we get a hit of the hormone dopamine when we really want or crave something. And it's thought that if we if we keep doing this, then those dopamine hits might wear off after a while. So keep a check on it from time to time. Are you still enjoying it? But it's also about what we're not doing. So it might also help to think about gooning being similar to zoning out, playing a console or binging the wire. There might not be a problem doing those things, but it's what we're not doing when we're doing those things. So for me, if I'm watching TV all day, I know that I'm going to feel a bit shitty if I don't talk to a mate or go for a walk or tired of the flat. So to really experience joy from doing one thing, we also have to make sure that other parts of us or other people in our lives are not going to experience sadness. I explain more about this in my idea of Spinoza's joy in the article. Again, I wrote that for Bish the other day. 
Screen time, also all that screen time isn't really good for our eyes, so it's a good idea to take regular breaks. Remember also what I was saying about capitalism and porn, which I've talked about on this podcast before. I think a lot of people spend more time than they want to looking at porn because the porn tube sites want it that way. So how can you curate the porn you watch? Just like if you were creating a menu for yourself or an exhibition, or how can you give the screens a break and explore your own fantasies? See if you can be, create a sexy story for yourself rather than the fantasies that the porn companies are serving you. Uh, for instance, all that step porn that is out there. Um, perhaps more about that another time. Be conscious. Related to this, it's probably a good idea that gooners try to be conscious. There are big overlaps between tantric sex and gooning, but one of the biggest differences is the porn bit. To make gooning a bit more tantric would be to try to become really conscious of our feelings in our bodies, which might mean focusing less on the porn. This is how consciousness happens. We feel something, we become aware of it, we remember it, and it starts to become. It's also a way of having more ownership over our fantasies and erotic lives and how they are in relation to the people and the world around us. Social sex risks. Any kind of social sex runs the risk of privacy risk, abuse, harassment, online sexual violence or threats. So I think it's a really good idea to check that the community, any community that people are doing gooning in, has sound moderators who are keeping an eye on things like this. I think a good forum, a good online forum, will want to prevent under-18s from getting involved uh, because actually in the UK it's illegal to watch porn with someone under the age of 18 and also it is a potential safeguarding issue. So, um, yeah. Remember, this article is written for uh, people who might be teenagers and some of them uh, older than teenagers, so that's why I've put that in there. Um, Porn and sexual images. There are also the usual risks about porn and sexual imagery. Make sure that any porn that you might be watching is legally made and legally shared. Are all the participants consenting to being gooned over in this way? A lot of content creators, sex sex influencers, make gooning content. How are they being treated? Are they being paid? Is their content getting credit? Are people being nice to them? A social way of thinking about solo sex is to consider the people in the images, how they came to make them, and whether they would be pleased at how a gooner is relating to them. And also people in our lives. Just like in the Sex and the City episode when Carrie and Miranda had to drag Charlotte away from her vibrator, a gooner might just want to make sure it's not affecting their relationships. Keep mate dates and other dates and stay connected with everyone. We should all have the right to to a solo sex life if we want one. But if it starts to have a bad effect on a partner's sex life, then we might want to keep keep that in check too. And of course, if we spend all that time looking at images of people in an erotic way, it's important that we switch that off when gooning is over. But you knew that anyway. Okay, so that end bit was just kind of advice for people if they were thinking about gooning. It's like harm harm minimization advice, but also... Like all of my advice at Bish, it's like, well, if you're going to do it, here's how we make it safer, here's how we make it more consensual, and here's how we make it more pleasurable, how potentially enjoyable. Um, But this is really interesting, this thing about gooning. So in my first article, before I found out about gooning, I'm suggesting, look, if we all started 
instead of thinking okay this is what an orgasm means orgasm means ejaculation and there's a route to having it and we all need to just get there and uh, and that there is a definite thing known as orgasm that we can all achieve if we got rid of that idea and instead complicated it and um and made it more nuanced and made it more interesting and say look it's nothing to do with ejaculation they're two separate things sometimes they happen at the same time but they don't have to and they're two very separate things what if instead of trying to train everybody to do it in the way that we are told men should experience an orgasm what if we aim for what it is that we are told women are supposed to experience when they have an orgasm the idea of it being mysterious and we don't know why we have it or what it might do what might it do to complicate and to make blurry our idea of our sexual knowledge and this is so much what i try to do in sex education because it is discourse the stories that are the stories and codes about how we should be having sex that are the things that prevent us from actually really enjoying sex it's the discourses and the codes and the regulation uh, and how we regulate each other we regulate ourselves but also society regulates us by telling us what counts as sex that men should have sex in a particular way women should have a sex in a sex in a particular way that only some people are allowed to have sex that if you can't have penis and vagina sex you're not really having sex so you can't have sex so don't bother um and uh, so you know society has given us these very normative problematic regulating narrow ideas about sex that makes us finding our sexual subjectivities really really hard and so this is where Foucault is saying you know all of these discourses which again you know discourses is a Foucaultian idea from his books the history of sexuality but also discipline and punish through the panopticon etc um so he's saying that we need technologies of the self in order to figure out what our subjectivity is. So I'm, here I was suggesting, okay, maybe if we didn't try to have sex, maybe we've just thought about orgasm in a completely different way, we might kind of have a better time. And then I hear about this term gooning, and I go look up gooning, and here are hundreds of thousands of men <laughs> masturbating for hours and hours and hours, not ejaculating, and not orgasming often uh, or getting close to orgasming and experiencing these incredibly elevated uh, pleasurable kind of hours through these activities um, so much so that they're talking about it with each other they are talking with each other while they're doing it so in a very homosocial way they're kind of talking about it with each other and also it's making them think about gender and sexuality and their subject subjectivity in these incredibly radical interesting ways now i'm not saying that we should all become gooners i think there are possibly many problematic things about gooning uh, many things that people might find tricky and actually a lot of people involved in these gooning communities were concerned about how much it was that they were um gooning uh, masturbating and what it was doing to the rest of their lives there was a lot of concern about that 
And again, a lot of that concern is also discursive. So a lot of that concern is about the messages we receive in society about uh, whether it's okay to masturbate and okay to look at porn and all that kind of stuff and porn addiction and all that kind of stuff. They are all discourses which, again, we're all subject to and we discipline and monitor ourselves in relation to those discourses. Um, so, you know, and again... I'm not here to say you should all goon, and that would I would be a very bad sex edu- educator if we did. But it's interesting to look at people taking part in gooning and gooning communities. Of this is a way of this is kind of like the opposite of no November or the no fap communities. It's like how might masturbation actually radically change our relationship to our bodies, our relationship to uh, our sexualities, our relationship to gender, and how we might do gender and how we might do relationships possibly i think it's really really interesting it just goes to show the potential power of what might happen when we find ways to disrupt the script and when we find ways to get out of the normativities that we're all in okay and the issue here of course is that though there is whenever we find a way to disrupt normativities to become you know, to use a Deleuze Guattarian term, to become the body without organs, so to become a free of the um, of the discourses that territorialises and trappers and makers uh, do sex and relationships in a particular way. Whenever we become free of those, capital finds a way to re-territorialise them. So at some point, capital will find a way to re to, to territorialise gooning in some way. Um, or I'm sure there might be a moral panic about it as well. Um, I'm, I'm almost almost definitely sure there's going to be an upcoming, pretty soon, there's going to be a moral panic about, uh, oh, what are our young men doing, spending all this time gooning? They're, you know, it's changing, the, it's changing their brains and it's uh, making them depressed and anxious and all this stuff there'll be another kind of panic about that but which is another kind of re-territorialization it's this thing of here's non-normative sexuality quick let's panic about it and then uh, and then try to make these young men normative and the only the only the only way of really enjoying sex is through partnered sex um, in a romantic relationship and ideally that should be at some point reproductive sex so penis and vagina sex you know there'll be another way of re- any that that re-territorialization will come but just for the moment as these men are breaking free uh it's actually not just men but i'm talking about men in particular because they are uh, uh often trapped by these discourses of how men should relate to the sex and sexuality and gender for this moment seeing them as possibly being this kind of um these bodies without organs these nomads in a in a whole new area of gender and sexuality for them i think is potentially really interesting um and i hope you found that interesting so uh again uh please send me some questions or give me some topics or give me some uh second opinions so if you see any advice from somewhere else just send them in uh, and then I promise you I can do more content. If I just had a list of things that I can do, then I can know, then I know that right. If I have a spare hour or two, uh, or an afternoon, I can just bosh that and just get that done and get some more content out to you. Um, so I hope you found that useful or interesting, and um, do send some stuff in and. Uh, yeah and also thank you again to my patreon supporters you've been incredibly patient uh 
because I've not been able to create very much content, but there is still a lot of exclusive content on there for you if you did want to chip in with the pound a month. Um, and again, I'm hoping to be able to get more out there uh, soon. All right, I'm going to stop waffling. Okay, thank you so much for listening. Bye, bye, bye.